but also he described them as like half torpid and like with a singularly stupid appearance it's like what the hell is that guy talking about but i love the galapagos <laughs> land iguana for, kind of for that reason but also because they're just fun to do research on like the angled worm lizard because uh there's like four research papers and they're very thorough oh like this one details the uh complete history of their reproduction uh this one details uh, how they like experimented with keeping them in captivity and whatnot right i don't know i just i just i i wish that that people were urged more to do that especially because you know we live in such a digital age everyone's carrying phones around and i don't know even like western fence lizards and stuff if people ever see like wildlife taking a picture of it posting it to, to somewhere twitter instagram i don't care it that just helps you know getting an idea of it that just helps Welcome to episode number 108 of the Animals at Home podcast. My name is Dylan Perrin, and thank you so much for tuning in today. So today I'm speaking with Quinn Chavez, who is a reptile keeper, a YouTube creator, and an artist out of Southern California. So in this episode, we discuss Quinn's YouTube series, Herp Corner. And in that series, he breaks down just general information or any information that he can find about obscure reptile species that live on the planet. And he's found some very unusual species, lots of interesting worm lizards, the Mexican mole lizard, different geckos, the black-eyed gecko from New Zealand. There's quite, I think he's about 30 episodes at this point. So we discuss his motivation for highlighting these obscure species and how he gathers that information. There's some great information in this episode about how to do your own research if you're looking to do that as well. Quinn shares some very interesting information, interesting facts about Charles Darwin that you may or may not have known. And this is a very fast-paced episode. Quinn has a ton of information in his head, and it was just great to chat with him. We also discuss the importance of citizen science. And this is something that we've discussed on the podcast before, but it's actually been a while. And I really appreciated this part of the conversation because, as you know, I am all about how to progress the hobby forward, but also how can the hobby, how can herpetoculture in general be a positive force for society in general. And citizen science is one of the ways we do that. So Quinn gives us some tips on how to do that and how to apply that yourself. And we wrap up the conversation discussing the ecological damage that outdoor cats can do on not only herpetofauna, but also other animals as well. I encourage you to head to the show notes if you're looking for more information on this episode, as well as links to all of Quinn's content. You can head to animalsathomenetwork.com for that. You'll also find a link there for our shop. $5 for every t-shirt or sweater does automatically get donated to the Amazon Rainforest Conservancy. And as I said a few weeks ago, we actually capped over $1,000 of donations. So super proud of that. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, podcasting app giving us a five-star rating and a review is a great way to help promote the podcast in that app you can join us on patreon at patreon.com slash animals at home if you'd like early access to the episodes as well as the opportunity to submit questions to upcoming guests we also do a zoom hangout with myself liam from reptiles and research and a few of the listeners usually about once a month so if you'd like to join us for that you can head to the patreon there and thank you so much to customreptilehabitats.com for sponsoring this episode of the podcast if you're looking for new reptile enclosures really the best in the business head to the show notes or the youtube description click on the customreptilehabitats.com link that is an affiliate link so if you do make a purchase a small commission comes back to me at no extra cost to you and of course that helps support the show let's jump into this episode enjoy Quinn welcome to the podcast thank you very much for doing this yes uh no problem don't worry about it I'm happy to have you here I think that you're up to a really interesting project which we'll we'll talk about in a second but why don't we why don't we jump mm-hmm. into just your origin stories we can give everybody a little bit of a foundation on how you got into reptiles in the first place yes sure um okay uh I, I mean it, it I never really started because you know the the typical thing is like oh yeah uh, I want over to like trails and stuff with my dad and caught like frogs or something. I mean, I did do that when we went to Hawaii, which was great. Uh, but uh, the major calling to it, I think, was mostly uh, when I was very young, like like six or seven, you know, um, I, I was always like, oh, I, I'm very fascinated with the concept of dragons. I would love to have a dragon someday, you know. And then I learned, wait a second, people keep veiled chameleons. That's basically like a dragon. What the hell? Um, thankfully, I didn't go that route as a starter reptile. I think we all know how difficult the care for those are. Um, but I eventually did go to a reptile show um, and I got like a crested gecko, a tiny, tiny baby one, uh, which was great. She was my first uh, reptile. And unfortunately, she uh, died when we brought her to somebody to to like uh, watch over her when we went on vacation. Oh, and damn. for some reason, by the time we came back, they said, they said, Oh, sorry, sorry. But she kind of maybe kind of died a little bit. <laughs> Oops. Which is weird because how, how do you kill a crested gecko in the span of a week? 
Yeah, that's like, even very if you strange. don't feed them, even if you don't feed them, they go on for like months and months without eating. Not that I've tested it, but that's like, you know. Yeah. Uh, and when we found her, she was like shriveled up. I don't want to describe it, but it was yeah. I, I don't know. It, she was still a good pet though, good first pet. Uh, and since then, I've gotten a few more guys. I just love reptiles. Uh, <laughs> ever ever since then, I've kind of hyperfixated on uh, herpetology in general. You know, mm-hmm. because like. God, there's just so much to it, so much variety, you know? I don't know. Don't worry uh, about it. How, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? Mm. Uh, 16. I'm 16. turning 17 in six days. Okay, so yeah. you are, you're going in, you're in grade 12 then? Or are you in Probably. grade 11? I, oh, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know the numbers anymore. Once you're in high school, it's like, oh, senior, oh, freshman. I don't know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry about it. And then you mix I'm, COVID I'm like, into like, there. Oh God, oh, Jesus! Yeah, yeah. It's like third to last year, second. Uh, don't. Well, let's go with this. Let's no. go with this. Uh, how, when you graduate, are you going? Are you? Do you have a vision right now of going into university and studying herpetoculture or, uh, or, or, or no. herp, uh, herpetology? Well, no? I, I'm. I'm. So, uh, I, I'm on the spectrum, as people say, um, and and with that. academia in general is just kind of oh oh i can't stand it um not that like not that like oh i I hate people who who study at universities and whatnot no 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 if you can succeed in an academic setting like legitimately good for you uh i wish that were me (laughs) but like like uh i'm i'm really not good with uh the education system in general so i'd prefer to stay away from college i'm probably gonna uh pursue art instead because just general like art industry stuff and like uh like right now I have a sort of ad creative agency that I'm running. Um, but either way, uh, like college and universities and whatnot, isn't a necessary part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to want to pursue that, but yeah, then I realized, no, it's, it's not for me. It's not for me. But well, I think yeah. this is sort of besides the point of the the podcast, but I think it's also a really important point to make. And sometimes important for people to hear that everybody does not have to go to university. And sometimes I think our, especially in right. Western culture, it's like everybody needs to go there. You need to get a degree. And it's like, you know what? Most people, unless you have this narrow focus of thing that you want to go to, it makes sense. But there's many other things you can do that make more sense than going to university. So, so as far as you yeah. reptiles in your life in the future, is it mostly going to be, you think in a, in a pet capacity, basically? Um, uh, uh, well, I, I do want to pursue like more reptile stuff. I, mm-hmm. I'd love to do like a breeding project of some kind in the future, the, especially, I, I mean, this kind of ties into the, the, the bulk of the conversation, but like, I would love to do, uh, breeding projects for like critically endangered species that nobody really has any documentation about. Um, for instance, I don't know if they count as critically endangered, more of lacking the proper assessment or whatever. Um, but like bipes biporus in, uh, what is it? Uh, I know Baja California is one of the places they made to just a few different, uh, obscure places in Mexico. Um, nobody ever has bred them as far as I know. No, nobody's ever documented any keeping of them in captivity, uh, which is very strange because if you look up Bipes biporus or Mexican mole lizard or whatever, then the first search that comes up is Bipes biporus pet, Bipes biporus for sale, care. Like, we don't know. Why are you asking us? You know, but <laughs> yeah. I, God, I would love to start that because the demand is there, I guess. And it's not, it's not for, it's not for money. It's not a money thing, but more of like, there is just so much about like worm lizards, like amphis bainids, whatever. I love those guys. They're like my favorite. Uh, but funnily enough, they're also the ones that we have the, like the least info on. And I would love to breed them. I'd love to. We have no idea how that works. You know, some of them, they excrete pheromones. What the hell? The reptiles don't do that. Okay, well, mm-hmm. some might. But the, but these ones do. And it's insane. It's crazy. I, I, I thought that only ants and like wasps did that. No, mm-hmm. uh, they have like specific chemical combinations that you could probably use to tell the sexes apart, depending on uh, which pheromone the other excretes has which chemical composition. It's like, that could, that could be crazy to do like a paper on. I know there's like one paper on them uh, for the, is it angled worm lizard? They're in the Middle East somewhere. It's mm. it's a worm lizard. That's, that, that's all I remember. I covered them at one point. Don't worry about it. You know? Yeah, we, 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 I definitely want to because I can starting to see how your mind works and how you can actually st- seemingly store a lot of information <laughs> in your brain, which is amazing. So, so that's really cool. And uh, like some of the best keepers, some of the most brilliant reptile or no, people who are knowledgeable reptiles are people who are just keepers and they can devote all their time, all their all their 
I guess, you know, casual time or what's the word I'm looking for? It doesn't matter, you know, outside of their work to study and and learn about their animals and they can, you know, end up learning a lot. So maybe you could just quickly, I know there's a few enclosures behind you. What do you, you started with the crested gecko that went a little bit south, but what else do you have right now? Uh, well, I, I, I love crested geckos so much. So I got like three of them, (laughs) not all at once. It kind of built up over time, but, uh, yeah. So behind me, the, uh, the, the the two uh, you know exoterras those are crested geckos and I do plan on upscaling soon although they are adults I don't like I don't have my own living space obviously I'm 16 uh, but when I do and when I have you know steady income I'd love to upgrade all my guys here um, right here which you can kind of see in view it's a bigger enclosure uh, is my Kenyan sandboa uh, Gongilophus colubridus she's very good um, and then in in the way back over there with the uh, with the the yellow light is my uh, my guy Gerald he's a blue tongue skink Helmahera blue tongue skink uh toliqua i guess yeah and he's great i love him those are those are all my guys i have a pretty uh moderately small collection right now i'd love to upscale but in due time you know yeah yeah no that's good nothing wrong with four animals and as you said as when you upgrade Mm -hmm. their enclosures you may realize that's enough space to begin with so let's jump into herp corner because this is something that a project that you're working on it's one of those little hidden gems that probably many people won't know about so we're i'm hoping to kind of expose that and and expose people (laughs) to some new species and some really interesting information i mean in the first 10 minutes i think people can realize how much information you have in your head and more of that is on the youtube channel so let's start with maybe first what drew you to more obscure species because you have people who keep reptiles and they they you know like like crested geckos even though you already said you know you like them as well but there are people who will focus on the common species but for something something drew you away from that as well or you know had drew your interest towards the obscure things so what was that right um uh well i maybe there's just more general diversity between the different uh species that we don't really talk about plus like i mean a majority of reptile uh species are obscure. There's just so many, you know, I, I'd say a minority of species, the mainstream knows about as things usually go, you know, leopard geckos and whatnot. Um, and I, I wouldn't necessarily drove me like away from mainstream species. Cause you know, there are some keepers who are like, Oh, I, I hate mainstream species. Everyone keeps them, you know, which uh, I'm not a huge fan of, you know, like the leopard geckos and the bearded dragons, but that's more of a textural thing. Um, I, I really like, like small guys. I especially love like making videos on small guys figuratively small not literally um because researching it is a lot more fun you know like uh for instance i've i've been trying to branch out and also do videos on more popular guys like the axolotl uh i did a video on them um and comparing the the experience i had researching that one versus the experience i had researching say the angled worm lizard uh is completely different like axolotl you know about them. They sell like, like plushies and stuff of them all the time, you know? Uh, and there's all sorts of different uh, controversies relating to them specifically, you know, uh, versus angled worm lizards where there's only like four images of them ever to, to ever be taken, which, uh, I mean, five, if you include the art, I did them of them or six, don't worry about it. Um, but like, it's so much easier to do research on like the angled worm lizard because, uh, there's like four research papers and they're very thorough. Oh, like this one details the uh, complete history of their reproduction. Uh, this one details uh, how they like experimented with keeping them in captivity and whatnot. Right. But with the axolotl, like search results, let me tell you, those are like, you got to wade through so much like mud and slop. I mean, no offense to the, to the journalists who cover them. That seems very mean. I no, I no offense to them. However, it really does muddy the waters on like new information. It's like finding needles in a haystack. Oh, here's a million articles about how they uh, regenerate. How's, here's a mi- million articles about how they're uh, neotenic. Like, we know that. We know that. It's okay. We know that. You don't need to tell us. But like, I can't look for any new stuff about them because there's just so much of the same stuff, you know? Uh, and that that just makes it easier to make videos on. It feels a lot less overwhelming to cover an animal with like four different papers, you know? Um, but also they're just cooler usually. I mean, like, yeah, there's a reason why a lot of people are drawn to animals like the, um, I, I guess, axolotl, for instance, uh, be, because they're just cool looking. They're cute, you know, and, and, and whatnot. But there's also just so much under the surface and it feels a lot more uh creatively rejuvenating i guess to uh cover obscure ones because like oh i'm doing something you know oh i'm sharing information i'm making like one little hud 
for uh, for all the information on one species. You know, a complete guide, if you will. Uh, and that just feels a lot more fun to me. Uh, but also, they're just generally cooler. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know, interesting. You get it. So, so why don't you? Because I completely get what you're saying. Yeah, it's kind of nice to have the little compiled video, especially when the. You, and these more obscure species where you have you're drawing from different areas that you know probably you're probably some of the first the, the first person to do that for most of these species which is really cool oh, yeah. as far as coming up with like a short concise video that just gives the basic you know basic outline so why don't you just quickly outline what we're talking about what is this series and sort of what is in each oh, general right. video Right. So uh, Herb Corner is kind of like a, a web series, I guess, um, where I, uh, I guess, basing it off of like the, the, the newest ways I've been doing it. Um, I draw out like the native environment for uh, whatever animal I'm covering. It's one, one uh, reptile per episode. Um, and I draw like the, the, the native environment of it and I draw myself in it and like little talk sprites and whatnot. Um, and, and this with is done that, digitally, I detail, by the way. Oh, yes, it's, it's digital art. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, with that, I describe the uh, uh, general history behind the species. It, did you hear that? Uh, don't, <laughs> don't worry about that. It's a food <laughs> yeah. truck. Um, so uh, with that, I described the, uh, the, 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 the carrot, the, his, the natural history of the species, um, sometimes the anatomy and like basics of breeding them. And, and I think that's about it. You know, um, it, it's, they're like usually like around 10 minutes long. Uh, and I don't know, it's a pretty comfortable format, you know? Yeah. 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 It's really interesting. I mean, and the, yeah. even the, when I watch your videos, the information that you provide makes me think, wow, this must've taken a long time to research. And then you watch the animations and the art that you've had to do. And that's like a whole other added piece. Like if I'm going to film something myself, most of the work is coming up with the script and then filming myself do it. But I can't imagine on top of having to animate everything. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, it does take a while, but like I've been drawing for a long time. So you get faster at it over time. Uh, if I like cram it really hard and like slam on the brakes and whatnot, no, that the opposite is slam on the brakes. Don't worry about it. Uh, if if I go really fast and producing it, um, it, it usually takes like a week, a week at most, you know, and that's devoting a lot of hours straight to it. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It, it works for me, I think. Yeah. You know. So, so I have a couple questions about it. Then the first is, how do you come up with the species you want to cover? Because you do cover a, oh a very sort of eclectic group so far. And is there where does the species idea come from? Right. Um, well, it, it kind of depends. I mean, some of them, like, for instance, uh, the, the one that's going to be coming up on Halloween, it's not up yet. Um, the, the is going to be the satanic leaf gecko, which I mean, I, uh, th that one I, I already knew beforehand. There are some that I just hear like a little bits and pieces of, cause you know, I listen to a lot of reptile people. Um, and, so, but some other ones I'll go down these weird, like Google rabbit holes, um, and like wiki, Wikipedia rabbit holes, you know, where, oh, uh, let me look at this family. Oh, let me click on one of these random scientific names and whatnot. Uh, and I'll do more digging on the species and I'll say, huh, there's like kind of nothing about this ever. There's no photos. What the hell? You know, like, I, what is it? Uh, uh, the, uh, golden tailed gecko from Australia. Those guys are kind of more well-known ish. Uh, but when you look at like the, the family that they're a part of, what is it like Memphidae or something? Um, they have all these different you know other members of the family and most of them don't even have like like any photos of them ever there's just the scientific name no common name no photo that's it uh, that's uh, that's just so intriguing to me because it's like okay well uh, do, do we have like any descriptions i don't i don't know it's like bigfoot you know it's not but it is uh, in terms of like you know you get it you get it yeah, yeah. Just, it is kind of like it's yeah. the sort of the ultimate mystery. We know they exist, but there's just so little information about that about them. It's it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. So, what process do you go through to do the research? You've already mentioned, you know, the Wikipedia and and finding papers and whatnot. So, do you kind of go through the same sort of procedure every time? Mm, yeah, uh, like Wikipedia is is just such a great resource. Like I know I know a lot of people dunk on on Wikipedia all the time, uh, which 
I get it. You know, if you're researching, like, for instance, I don't know, like George Washington or or, or some like super popular, super well-known uh, household name, then yeah, I'd recommend using other sources. But when it comes to like this super, these super obscure species, I don't think anyone would go out of their way to like alter the information to say something like funny or something. Because who's going to look up the gold, the golden tailed gecko, you know, who's going to look up the black eyed gecko? Nobody. Because the search, like two people search them a month at most, you know. Um, And so that's why I I usually use Wikipedia as like a a nice little, you know, uh, area to gather resources. in. And if not that, then. The, the like the the few pages of like google search results are pretty good uh you can probably find like science direct uh, articles on them as well as oh the uh, the reptile database that place rules i love that place oh, you yeah. know uh not only do they have you know the they got the common names they got the scientific names but they also got like the different scientific names uh, or the different names that they're referred to by as in different languages mm-hmm. like uh for the chinese water dragon they got like the vietnamese name they got the german name for some reason you know they got all this stuff and it, it, that's great sometimes they try to pronounce it doesn't go too well but they still got it you know um and under that they got like all these different papers that have been written on them it's great it's great i love i love reptile database i'm a big fan like 10 out of 10 you know uh, yeah. and also they got like photos and stuff of them yeah, there's a it lot is, of great places like that that you can find. Yeah, it is a fantastic database. Plus, I mean, you do quite often mention the other the, the names in the other languages, which is pretty impressive. But also, what's cool about Reptile Database is that it will show you old names, like further like classifications from you know years past that we don't no, no, uh, no longer use. They're there, so that so that can be helpful as well. So maybe you could list off a couple of the species you've already mentioned a few. But what are some of the your favorites oh, that you've sure. covered so far? Oh boy. Uh, well, my favorite is definitely forever going to be the Mata Mata turtle. That was like one of the first episodes I did. I love the Mata Mata turtle. Everyone does. Um, uh, there's, there's that guy. Bushfeld rain frog's pretty good, though everyone knows that guy. Um, oh, I really like the, uh, the, 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 the green gecko. What is it? it the, the New Zealand green gecko. Those guys are fun. Uh, yeah, a, a lot of different guys. I don't know. Uh, there's like 30 episodes at this point. Um, uh, yeah, I I know uh one that I'm that I'm currently working on is the Galapagos land iguana, which is like my all all time favorite uh species. Charles Darwin, he's so mean to them. Uh, I mean, it's so funny how mean he was to them. You know, Charles Darwin ate one of every animal he he discovered. No, that's what? not relevant. Uh, but he he. <laughs> Yeah, he did uh, at the Galapagos. Uh, he ate a lot of finches, I think. But he described their meat as taste. Uh, the the Galapagos land iguana meat is like uh, I, he didn't like it. It wasn't a full meal to him. But also, he described them as like half torpid and like with a singularly stupid appearance. It's like what the hell is that guy talking about? But I love the Galapagos <laughs> land iguana for kind of for that reason. But also because they're just fun. Uh, that that's one of my favorites. Though I haven't released that video yet. But you know, you know, you know, they're great. They're great. Are you uh, gonna have those yeah, Darwin facts in that video? Oh, definitely. Oh, absolutely. Oh, of course. Of course. Come on. That's hilarious. I, I love Charles Darwin. I hate that guy. I, uh, mm. <laughs> he's interesting. He's a character. Don't worry about it. Well, he, he's done some good work, but I, I didn't realize he was so against land iguanas. What's his problem? Yeah. And the marine iguanas, which more people know. He, he said that they look like, like Frankenstein creatures. He said they're ugly. They're stupid. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. They're animals. But, you know. That's you know. funny. It's funny because we... Quite often, people look at the Galapagos iguanas and, and think of Darwin, and you know, it's. I never, I had no idea that he was so against them. But hey, yeah. I guess if you eat it, then maybe it doesn't taste good. You're gonna have a an, an issue with that species. Yeah, yeah, he's such a weirdo. Yeah, but anyway, back to the series. It is really remarkable, and I think. Do you have a goal with it? Do you, is is there any overarching goal that you see with the series? Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of. I, I mean, uh, the, the the main goal is like, you know, spread info on, on obscure species like that. And there have been episodes where uh, specifically like the worm lizard episodes. I love worm lizards. Um, someone has commented on them in the past like, oh, yeah, uh, I was looking for, for information on the species. And like you were the only uh, video I found, which is like, I love that. That, that makes me feel great, you know um <laughs> that that's kind of like i guess the main thing of it other than just overall educating people on on species like this um or like those or whatever um I, yeah spreading info spreading awareness you know stuff like that 
Yeah. yeah. Well, and that, and that's a cool thing about those types of videos is it'll continue to people as somebody searches one of those very specific niche species, it's your videos that are going to pop up because, like we said, no one else yeah. is doing it. And you had mentioned early on or early on in our conversation that right now you have a few kind of common animals, but eventually one day you'd like to branch out into keeping something more obscure. So obviously that sort of relates to the same interests that you're talking about with Herp Corner. But are there any you had mentioned? I forget what species that you had already mentioned the. Um, Whatever you had mentioned early on, as far as was it? Yes, I, I forget what it was. Anyway, are there any species that axolotls? You think, no, it wasn't an axolotl. It was one, it was one of the California species that you were talking that is rare. It's okay. The, the listeners oh. will know because they'll just listen to it. But anyway, as far as you're yes. concerned, are there any species that you would want to work with one day? As far as a goal? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, by bees, by porous. That's what I yes, said. that's what it was. Uh, yeah. But yeah, um, other than that. Honestly, like a majority of, of the animals I've covered in Herb Corner, I would love to do a breeding project of them someday. Of course, I can't breed all of them, obviously. That would take an immense amount of space. Um, but like, like uh, ooh, for instance, like the black-eyed gecko, I'd love to breed them. But you know how New Zealand is with their uh, with their exporting laws. So that's not really a, an option unless I move there. That's, uh, but like as, as well, worm lizards in general, you know, uh, angled worm lizards. I love those guys specifically. Like you can't even see their eyes. I would love to breed them someday. They're so cool. Um, I, I, the Iberian worm lizard is pretty good. The, uh, well, who was it? Something, something beaked blind snake. That's a pretty good one. That's a snake, but you know, uh, I don't know a lot of fun. I, I would just love to breed animals in general, you know, even like common ones, even like, like my, my, my boy back here, the Halmahera blue tongue skink, there's not a whole lot of captive captive breads out there, you know. Um, and I would love to to try my hand at blue tongue skate breeding, though. That's a little bit on the harder side, you know. They're very aggressive when uh, doing their thing. Um, Kenyan samples are also pre- pretty good, as far as I've heard. Beginner like breeding species. I'd love to practice before I actually, you know, get my hands on like some uh, bipeds by porous, because, well, there aren't any like no one's even like catching them from the wild, which I'm happy about. No, I'm I'm glad I'm glad they're not doing that, but like. That makes it really hard to, you know, sort of get hold of them. Um, and that makes it so that if I did hypothetically uh, breed them in the future, I would really want to make sure that I know what I'm doing at that point, you know, uh, by like breeding, like, I-, I don't know, anything else beforehand. Oh, I- I'd also love to breed like the Sheltapusic at some point. You know, the Sheltapusic, the the the, the, the legless lizard, the, uh, the mm. glass lizard, you know, those yeah, guys. Yeah. I'd love to try breeding them. They look so funny and nobody breeds them ever. Um, I, well, people are attempting to. I know Snake Discovery is attempting to. I'd love to try that. Uh, though that that is, as it seems, on the harder side since you can't really sex them. They're not sexually dimorphic, but you know, I don't know. Yeah. You know, well, uh, stuff like that. One thing that's standing out is as far as the species that you find interesting. They're almost untraditional in a way because typically people get drawn to the species in the hobby that are very colorful or are very interesting. Yeah. And, and you're listing like worm lizards, which are somewhat unremarkable when you look at yeah. them in a way it's like almost like how you know like if, if a kid were to draw a lizard yeah. like it might be something like there's very like lack of shape and like he said you can barely see eyes and whatnot so it is interesting that you're That's drawn awesome. to, to yeah. those yeah why, why do you think that you're drawn to those species uh i i've kind of always been drawn to like stuff that people don't like like i was talking to my friend about this the other day uh her least favorite color ever is brown and second least favorite color is green and those are my two favorite colors i love brown <laughs> um I, I don't know i love like the things where you look at them and it's like what the hell is that you know uh and i also like the ones where there's just so little going on like i love the the, the super basic looking guys not basic as in common more of like like what is it like uh so you know the the snake that uh Colombian something something uh the one where it's it, it's got iridescent scales and they're like bright red and they got the black rings you know that yeah like um, Colombian well, they have, rainbow boa. yeah 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 Colombian rainbow boa and I forgot the name of it but they have like in their genus um uh, a cousin I guess which is completely brown no colors and they still got the iridescent scales, but, you know, they got like no markings. And I remember I saw this one guy uh, who made a, a care guide on him and he said, yeah, they're so ugly. Why would you even get these? They, they look awful. You know, the, 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 just get the Colombian rainbow bow instead. Those are way prettier. And I remember thinking, but he's all brown. That's, that's amazing. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like the rubber boas. I love those. Uh, like, like my, uh, my Kenyan sample, she's like a snow, which, you know, 
almost no coloration. I love that. I love that. And I don't think like my, my specific taste in reptiles is necessarily as uh, it's not super far from the general you know consensus on what like for instance ball python morphs are pretty right because there's a lot of draw in uh, ball python morphs uh, hognose morphs like wet western hognose mm-hmm. um, in having the least markings as possible which you know like like you got the uh, the 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 superconda's you know the superconda morph in hognose which effectively takes away all the brown splotches uh, and leaves you with just a light brown snake which i find funny because they just look cuter with no markings i don't know and then you got the uh the the ball pythons where the the all white one what is that the leucistic the the blue-eyed leucistic morph you know um i mean that's pretty but like because he's got nothing on him that's why i like him (laughs) Uh, i guess people might like him because like the bright blue eyes is pretty which I, i see it but you know the main draw is like there's no colors you know and and when it comes to like worm lizards Almost all of them, they got nothing on them. They, sometimes you can't even see where the eyes are. You can't see where the mouth is. Like for the longest time when I was like re- actively researching the angled worm lizard, I, I didn't even know if they had a mouth. I had to look it up because you, you can't see it. They just have like a flat head. That's it. That's all they've got. And I love it. I love They look awesome. They look amazing. Same with the Bipus Bacorus. Got nothing on him, but he's pink. That's awesome. No, I love those guys. You, so, know, you get I, it. I don't know if you know the, the answer to this question, but like you're saying, none of the, a lot of these animals are not in the trade. Some of them are native to the area where you live. Are What, what are the mm-hmm. rules? Because I've, I've heard of people doing this in the States, but I don't know what the legality rules are. What are the rules as far as catching wild animals and, and keeping them and then breeding them in captivity? Do you know? Are you allowed to do that or... I'm sure it's state dependent, but yeah, in California, um, I guess I should mention this: the uh, the bipace bipores Mexican mole lizard is not native to California. They're mm-hmm. native to Baja California, which I was confused about that too. Uh, but that that's like a, a a state in Mexico called mm-hmm. Baja California. I'm not gotcha. sure why, but it's it's called that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, as far as I know, the the state regulations on catching and keeping reptiles. I mean. Some of them are protected. Some aren't. Depends on you know how much there, how many there are in the wild, and, and and all that. But I've seen people here where they'll just like catch like a western fence lizard and just keep them like as a pet, you know, and that's just what they do. Uh, which I don't know if that's legal or not, but they never got in trouble for it. So you know, uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's decently legal. Though I know that like like kind of funny uh a, a majority of amphibian species if not all are just you can't keep them you legally cannot keep any amphibians in california uh, which was really strange strange because like whenever i look at people because because i love looking at those like uh reptile expo tours where people just walk around the reptile expo and, and film all of it that's fun um uh, like looking at them in other states like illinois and texas and whatnot um They'll have like stands full of axolotls, axolotls, like tiger salamanders and whatnot. And I remember seeing that like, wait, those guys are seriously that common. Are you kidding me? You know, because I never saw them ever like in, in person. It's crazy. I don't know. Uh, I, I know. Yeah. The, but but the, the, the wildlife uh, rules and regulations are pretty lenient in general here. Uh, I know you can like capture the uh, red-eared sliders and whatnot because you know they're invasive as is kind of everywhere else um but as far as the wild animals go i don't think we have any that are particularly uh critically endangered or anything i I, at least i've never heard of of that happening but who knows who knows so (laughs) i I know i've heard people in the states you know go and catch king snakes and breed them and then you know create Mm. captive bred from a wild caught population so maybe one day that might be what you have to do i mean you're not going to find worm lizards at the next expo oh yeah (laughs) yeah geez yeah so yeah. is there any other points that you wanted to add about just focusing on obscure species before we move on to the next thing? Is there any any other areas that we didn't mention? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know if uh, this transitions into the, into the next topic, but uh, a big thing that I really want to emphasize is like, because so uh, th- this is related, I swear. Uh, I also do like Twitch streaming on the side. And with that, I've been exposed to a lot of, you know, new people from all over the world. Right. And at one point this, I swear this is related. I'm, this isn't a random tension. Uh, at one point during my stream, um, I, uh, for some reason, the stream was flagged as me being 
in uh god where, where's the place called um niger and me living niger for some reason i've never been to niger uh but it said that i was from niger and so with that uh, a bunch of people from niger came in and were like hanging out with me on the stream which was fun and all uh but it was it was i don't know why that happened uh and and with that it kind of made me realize, you know, there are a lot of people in, in all these different places because it was a reptile related stream uh, and they all have interest in, you know, herpetology and, and herpetoculture and whatever you want to call it. Um, and with that, it kind of made me think, I, I, I wish there was more of like a, a, an urge, I guess, for lack of a better word, uh, or a push uh, to if anyone ever sees, you know, a species like that are hardly documented to just like take a picture of it you know i like post about it somewhere you know because you look at the the species like the you know ankled worm lizard they got like four photos that's it and i think like one video that was taken in in the middle east somewhere uh, on youtube from like a, a middle eastern youtube channel which i appreciate but like if there were just just more documentation of like sightings of these reptiles like that would help a ton because it's insane how much how much help that stuff is you know like Here's a fun fact. Um, the way for you to, to to be able to tell between genuses of amphisbanids, because a lot of them kind of look alike, um, is the amount of uh, dorsal scales they have. If you count the individual ones, then you can tell, like, uh, for instance, the, um, what is it? It was, it was a European species. There's like two different European species that look almost the same. But if you count the dorsal scales, one has like 27 and the other has like 24 which is a super subtle detail and they look the same otherwise but like and i wouldn't be able to have like figured that out unless i saw actual photos of them you know like that's how much photos help and uh, i don't know i just i just i i wish that that people were urged more to do that especially because you know we live in such a digital age everyone's carrying phones around and i don't know even like western fence lizards and stuff if people ever see like wildlife I'm taking a picture of it, posting it to, to somewhere, Twitter, Instagram, I don't care. It That just helps, you know, getting an idea of it. That just helps. I don't know. No, that's a uh, really, yeah, I, I, really good point. Yeah. Because Especially because, you know, we have a bunch of, the audience is a bunch of reptile enthusiasts and, and lovers and interested in reptiles. And, and it is, that is one, and I always try to find ways that herpetoculture itself can progress you know, that can be positive for the community in general, not just the community of reptile keepers, but the community of people that we live with. And and so being able to push knowledge forward is one way we can be a positive impact on our community. And it is as simple, as you said, as simple as documenting wildlife. We all have a yeah. high quality camera in our pocket. And then there are services like, I yeah. don't know if you used iNaturalist at all when you're doing your research and whatnot, but that's a really simple no. way to- Wait, no, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. So it's a really simple way to take a picture and then it just pins where you saw it. You don't have to even know the species. You can just post it because somebody else will come yeah. and comment and give you the species name. And and yeah, hopefully we can start collecting a little more than just the four images that are out there for some of these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, additionally, um, and this this one is a little bit more of a hypothetical one. I know it's not quite possible for most people, but like um, for those for for those of the, the audience or whoever um, who live in places other than like, like uh, America or the U S or whatever. I'm, I'm, I've never been to like, you know, uh, uh, Canada or the UK or whatever, but I know that those are, are similarly very um, city populated, you know, since I live in like a major me metropolitan area, it's really hard to find good trails with like a lot of nice, you know, uh, or, or fauna or whatever. Um, and so if, 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 if anyone, you know, lives in like uh, different countries in Africa, like Niger, for instance, um, that have a lot of uh, protected land, you know, if you ever like go walking there, it's super helpful to like just conduct field studies, you know, and simple ones too, like uh, study what the different animals eat and whatnot, or, or study how different animals react to each other. If, if things like that are spotted, you know, uh, like literally any documentation like that is like super helpful, you know, because it doesn't need to be like a science direct article. It, it really doesn't mm -hmm. uh, like a post on Tumblr, a text post to someone saying, hey, I saw a, uh, a Iberian uh, worm lizard the other day and he was like eating berries or something. Isn't that crazy? That helps a million times because then I can say, oh, and by the way, sometimes in the wild, they've been spotted eating berries. Like th that's how that's how much of, a, of an impact that makes on like 
doing research, you know? And, and not only does that just help me, but if anyone ever keeps this species in the probably distant, distant future, then they can do research on what they eat and then see, huh, this person says they saw them eating berries in the wild. That's odd. I'll add that as like an extra uh, place of enrichment, you know, like stuff like that. that just, it just helps. It just helps, you know? I, I don't know. I, I wish that like more of an emphasis was put on just normal people, you know, non-academics. <laughs> to say that not uh, that academics are not normal. Don't worry about it. Um, you know, going out, conducting like pretty uh, kind of um, not necessarily tedious, just like uh, basic sort of field studies. Like I wish that there was more stuff put into that, you know, because you see these days uh, a lot of like, uh, you know, the the biggest places that you usually see talking about like care and stuff about animals are like you know reptiles magazine which nothing wrong with those guys i love those guys uh but you got reptiles magazine you got like a major journalists mostly people with like fancy degrees and whatnot when really anyone can do it you know anyone can go on a trail and uh, and and spot like oh a western fence lizard is is mating huh i should take a video like you're not creepy that that is really good (laughs) that's really good because then you get to understand the process and then if anyone decides to breed western fence lizards they might already um then they can know like a better understanding of the process, you know, because God species mating is like a whole different topic, but it is uh, all the different things are so like diverse within them, you know, like God, the, you get it. You get yes. it. <laughs> no, it's a, it yeah. is such a good point. And, and really it is one of the, the, the things that I try to promote all the time is that you don't have to have letters behind your name to advance things. And yeah. you can learn so much just from paying attention and either observing your own captive animals or going out into the wild or going out into nature and, and just seeing what's out there. Especially if you live in a place that's a little more Southern where reptiles are a lot more common to see. I mean, if I saw a reptile, it would be a pretty rare experience here. Not that it doesn't happen, but it yeah. does. It, it's very far, few and far between, but you know, California, Florida, all these different places, Texas, the, you know, lizards and snakes are around and all simply taking mm-hmm. a photo and pinning it on the map is is actually helping. So I think that's a fantastic yeah. point. So why don't we wrap up the conversation here with cats? Because this is something that oh, yeah. you've actually mentioned a couple of times through your videos. And I thought, you know what? I, I bet you have uh, some interesting thoughts here. So as, as far as we're not talking, well, we are talking about pet cats, but it's not in a good light. We're talking about how actually destructive they can be to the environment. So what are yeah. your thoughts w- with this outdoor cat issue? I, I mean, look, I have nothing against, you know, uh, uh, cats and whatnot. Cats are great, probably. I've never kept any. I'm allergic to them, but they're they're cool. Um, but like, uh, here's a fun fact. I think it's like uh, around 63 or maybe 70 uh, species of animal, uh, uh, native wildlife species have gone extinct because of just how common having outdoor cats can be, you know, in, in North America alone. I'm not sure about a- any other places. Um, and like, Oh, because you hear people all the time talking about, oh, invasive species. Oh, I hate invasive species, which I mean, yeah, they're they're pretty bad for the environment. You know, you look at the Florida Everglades, it's like a, a screwed up mess there, you know, uh, but like cats are kind of they're kind of a part of that. If a lot of people will say like, oh, well, outdoor cats, that's good for the cat because, you know, it's good enrichment and whatnot. Um, just provide enrichment in the house, like like get one of those like like a uh, tree things for your cat, not a real tree, but, you know, out of like carpet. I don't, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, get like cat toys, stuff like that is like way better because otherwise they're going to go out, going to like like uh, swing at birds and like kill birds and whatnot, uh, eat them. I don't know, mice, uh, lizards, stuff like that. Uh, they're going to cause havoc on the wildlife. And plus it's super dangerous for the cat. You know, they could get like hit by a car or something. And then people say, oh, well, cats are way smarter than dogs. They know they're way back home. Uh, well, they have around the same intelligence. Um, cats are just a lot more destructive for the environment in the sense that they can climb trees and uh, swat at like birds' nests and stuff, whereas dogs are gonna like bark at a tree and that's it. Um, Stuff like that. Like uh, I I know in the Union Islands specifically, I covered the Union Islands gecko in a video that's coming out, don't worry about it. Um, In the Union Islands specifically, the Union Island gecko is like critically endangered. There's like like 63 of them in the wild, maybe like 400, something like that. They're, they're, they're not doing well, um, mostly because they're in a small area. But what doesn't help is, like, the, the people that, that live in that area will, like, th- th- their cats, you know, just hang out and just go around and just start killing the geckos, which is, uh, uh, stop, don't do that, <laughs> you know? I, and it would just be so much better if, like, people, and not, not even just, like, 
this helps anywhere, honestly. Any anywhere that has an uh, that has ecology, which is everywhere, having your cats outdoors is just actively bad for it. And I I wish that that was talked about a lot more because you know, it's kind of controversial and whatnot. But what isn't controversial is the fact that they've caused like sixty to seventy uh, extinctions of native species because like cats are an invasive species they're invasive they're non-native they they just cause havoc you know they eat that they they eat things and whatnot you get it you get it i I don't know it's interesting they (laughs) they do because of the nature of how they are they get a bit of a free pass when it comes to destructing being so destructive and it's so it's kind of an interesting predicament and and i do get like you know and you know i know lots of people who own cats and love cats which is great and I also grew up on a farm, so sometimes we would have a cat out outside that does like you're mousing for you, like you know, mousing around the house. Yeah. And so I, I kind of have sympathy for that side, but at the same time, it's impossible to look beyond the stats that show how destructive they are. And and there are actually ways to put your cat outside that don't involve letting it have full access to the environment. I actually had someone on the podcast years ago, probably like one early on, and they built these large outdoor like run cages. So it would be, you know, these massive cages that you could put outside. You could allow your cat to go outside, but it wouldn't have free access to the environment, which is another way to, you know, let them go outside. So it it is tough. And I know in the Netherlands, one of my patrons had just sent this article to me or, or, or brought it to my attention last week. They're actually putting yeah. a bill or proposing a bill to ban outdoor cats. I'm not sure if you've seen that. Oh, and so that will no, be interesting to see how that plays out. That's interesting. <laughs> I love the Netherlands. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. That, yeah, that that would be de- definitely helpful. Um, I, I I'm not super uh, familiar with the the herpetofauna in the Netherlands, but it would probably help a ton as, as well as you know the other fauna and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it is yeah. it is Outdoor interesting cats, how they yeah. how, how they get uh, like you said like a free pass and and we kind of have to you know especially on the animal rights side people will really attack the reptile hobby and we ignore the fact that really yeah. when you talk about damage wise pro- d- damage wise to the environment cats and then damage wise to people <laughs> you're probably looking at dogs causing the most damage as far as hospital bills and and I love dogs too so I'm not I'm not trying to throw dogs and yeah. cats under the bus here but we always get attacked when really it's those two species or, or, or group of animals that cause probably more problems yeah i mean <laughs> uh, i as far as animal rights goes i'm not super you know, familiar with the movement. All I know is is PETA and the screwed up stuff that they like to do. I mean, like they, they've done like good journalism on on, on stuff before. Like uh, I, I'm sure you've probably seen or at least heard about um, the video that they did where they were touring the uh, what is it? So there's PetSmart and PetSmart gets their reptiles from uh, Reptiles by Mac, which is uh, you know a big breeder and then petco decided not not petco uh peta <laughs> different people um decided to, to tour the the different places and they were like oh it was it was pretty screwed up you know it's a rough video uh, to and watch. It, it's a rough video to watch it really is um but like you got pretty good journalism on peta's end like that but then you've also got like the screwed up sort of uh, for lack of a better word takedowns of the hobby where it's like oh yeah uh, they don't know anything about reptile keeping they just you know put a big animal in a tiny box <laughs> what the hell's up with that uh no there's more to it but like uh, <laughs> i mean PETA also does its fair share of screwed up stuff as it relates to like cats and dogs like i don't know if you've heard about this but um PETA, is just in general against, I don't know if they changed it, but they're just in general against people keeping animals in captivity at all. Yeah. Like yes, yeah. any rescues, that, yeah, any rescues that they get, like like dogs, pit bulls, especially uh, cats, they'll just put them down. They're, they'll just euthanize them, which is, that's awful. Well, why would you do that? You know, but <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know anything about else about the animal rights thing outside of PETA, um, though, you know, it's, it's got its fair share of uh, weirdos. But it's also it's also probably got you know you know decently minded, uh, really concerned about like facts and stuff. People, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. But Pete yeah. is the the main people that that I'm familiar with. That's kind of weird. Well, I, I thought it was just it's interesting that you know as you're doing this research for these obscure species that the cat issue came up more than once. Like you think, okay, well, maybe oh, one species has an issue with cats but no it was like at least twice i heard in your videos and i didn't haven't watched all of them yet so it is uh it's a problem and it's hard it's a hard one to solve yeah (laughs) good i i mean yeah i i I guess the the 
as far as solving it goes, I mean, I'd honestly just recommend normalizing having indoor enrichment for your cats. Like, I remember I saw, I don't know what it was, probably like an Instagram reel or a TikTok or something. I'm not on TikTok, but I saw it um, where it was like a, a guy who installed this huge fixture all around his room um, that was like stuff to climb and, and like wooden little carvings for the cat to, to like go in and just sit in and like climb around, you know? And like, that's great. That's awesome. Uh, I, I just wish that like, a lot of people considered that a lot more, you know, because there's just in general, in terms of keeping animals, the enrichment part isn't really taken account uh, for just like a majority of the time, which, you know, I don't necessarily blame people for that because the only reason why uh, uh, I or, or you or, you know, anyone has probably, uh, anyone within the reptile hobby has probably considered enrichment is because of, you know, going deeper into it, you know, like, oh, wait, I should, I should probably start, you know, like including like tubes and stuff for them to walk around in, you know, like you only really hear about that after you really start getting invested in the animal, you know, and a lot of people that like keep cats and dogs, no offense to them, um, often only really have a surface level explanation, you know, people still feed their cats like like kibble and stuff, which I've heard, I don't know if this is true, I'm not a cat person, but I've heard it's not the best idea. Um, Stuff like that. It's just like, uh, I think it mostly stems from having a very basic sort of surface level understanding of how the animal works. And after doing more research and stuff on it, only then do you realize, huh, I guess there's a lot more to their like uh, neur neurology or whatever um, that goes into it. I should probably cater to that. You know, this is a whole organism that I got to care for, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, th I think like stuff like that should be normalized a little bit more. Yeah, you know? it is interesting, you know, when you buy a reptile or, you know, especially people listening to the show, there is the whole experience of doing research and, and understanding that species before you get it, where cats and dogs is a lot more, like you said, basic. It's just sort of people get an animal and they don't think of it as an animal that has husbandry a lot of the time. There are probably some people out there that do, but most yeah. of the time, like you said, they go by their whatever kibble and then that's the whole thing. So, yeah, it, it is mm -hmm. interesting the way those two worlds kind of play together. Is there anything else that we didn't cover today that you wanted to mention? I think we we covered most things, but I'm... yeah, yeah, I think I think that's all. Yeah, yeah. cool. Well, Quinn, Nothing I really else. appreciate you you coming on, and I want people to go check out your work. So, can you let everybody know where they can find you online? Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I hope you I hope you included a link in the description to the channel specifically. That's that's the biggest thing I want to promote. Uh, drinks with three S's. Um, uh, 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 Twitter drinks are I don't really post there too much. Uh, Instagram drinks with five S's. <laughs> um, and, and that's kind of that's, yeah. That's that's for the most part. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's Dr all. Drinks that's all. with different amounts of S's. I'll make sure everything's in the show notes so people can can go find it and three and or more. Yeah. Three or more. And, uh, and yeah, yeah um, people will go check out your series and we'll definitely stay up to date with it because I'll be curious to see how, how other species that you cover and how it kind of evolves over time. So thank you so much for spending mm -hmm. the time with me today. And thank you for starting to highlight other species and issues that we don't necessarily talk about in the hobby uh, very much. So I really appreciate that. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right, that is the end of that episode. Quinn, thank you so much for jumping on an episode and sharing all of that information with us. I can tell that you do have a ton of information in your head, so I was happy we were able to tap into that today. Listeners, I do really hope you enjoyed that episode. Make sure you go check out Quinn's content. Again, it's so great to find sh small creators that are doing these really unique projects. So if you are interested in some of these obscure species, go check out Herp Corner. Again, everything is in the show notes. You can find that at animalsathomenetwork.com. If you'd like to join us on Patreon, hit the patreon.com slash animals at home. And again, thank you so much to customreptilehabitats.com for sponsoring this episode. I will catch you guys next Sunday.